Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode. Negotiations in Washington are continuing over an infrastructure bill. The plan could boost a wide range of sectors and companies. President Biden has proposed a $2 trillion plan this spring. Biden and a bipartisan group of lawmakers have recently agreed on a deal with a lower price tag. Both plans would reinvigorate traditional U.S. infrastructure. The legislation would pay for roads, bridges, and broadband. And this potential new spending may have some of you thinking what stocks to buy. You're listening to a bonus episode of Investing Insights. Market X-Ray looks at investment opportunities and risks beyond the market headlines. I'm Ivana Hampton. Morningstar Research Services Chief U.S. Market Strategist Dave Sequeira joins me now to discuss what stocks to watch. Hi, Dave. Will you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your role? Hey, Ivana. Of course. You know, so I started off in finance about 30 years ago as an analyst on the buy side. And over the course of my career, you know, I've held several different positions in which I've made investment recommendations across you know, all types of different types of securities, including stocks, bonds, and derivatives. You know, and in addition, I've also conducted valuation analysis on every part of a company's capital structure from senior secured bank debt you know, all the way down to its equity. So I joined Morningstar in 2010 and currently am in the position of being the U.S. market strategist. So what does that mean? You know, so as the market strategist, you know, I take a bottoms-up approach to analyzing you know, the markets. And really what I try and do is utilize all of the research conducted here at Morningstar. And the goal is to really help empower investors to be able to make the best financial decisions that they can based on their own individual risk tolerances. So a large part of my time is spent analyzing the U.S. equity market specifically and determine what our view of the broad equity market valuation is, as well as then look and see what potential catalysts you know, might be coming up that could then impact the markets and how we think that you know, would play out. I also then provide you know, different types of analyses and valuations for different categories and styles, as well as you know, highlight our views on different stocks, and really just try and help people understand you know, what do we think is undervalued, what we think is fairly valued, and what we think is overvalued. That valuation analysis you know, can then be used by investors, both in their portfolio construction, as well as then adjusting their portfolios on an ongoing basis based on how markets evolve and their individual needs. All right, Dave, thank you for that. And thanks for being here. You know, let's get started. President Biden unveiled his multi-trillion dollar jobs plan in the spring and summer's here. The negotiations have hit some potholes. Are the talks between Democrats and Republicans unfolding as expected? Well, like anything else in Washington, I would say the rule is you should always expect the unexpected. And this certainly has not been an exception to that rule. However, we do still think that by the end of the year, we'll see most of the Biden administration's priorities enacted. So originally, we expected the Democrats will look to pass two budget reconciliations this year. The first would address the American Jobs Plan, and then the second would address the American Family Plan. So the reason for doing so is that these reconciliation bills can be passed with just a simple majority, and they don't need to attract enough Republican votes in the Senate to overcome the filibuster. However, the one thing we did not expect was that the Senate parliamentarian had recently issued guidance that will essentially limit the Democrats to only one more reconciliation bill this year. So just as a side note, the Democrats had already used this maneuver earlier this year for the American Rescue Plan. 
So right now we see two potential paths to address both the Jobs Act and the Families Act. So first, what we think is most probable at this point is that they will reach a bipartisan agreement and that they will get enough Republicans to be able to bypass the filibuster and bring a new bill to the floor to pass. And that will probably include you know, most of what's in the American Jobs Act. The Democrats would then address the Family Act through reconciliation you know, much later this year. Now, if they're unable to reach a bipartisan agreement, the Democrats would then likely try and lump both the Jobs Act and the Families Act together into a much larger reconciliation later this year and then try and push that through on probably a purely partisan basis at that point. So I guess the question there is, all right, Dave, you know, well, where are we today? So there has been a small working group of Democrats and Republicans, and they've tentatively reached an agreement on $1.2 trillion of the originally proposed $1.9 trillion infrastructure spending. Now, taking a look through what's in that $1.2 trillion agreement, from what I can tell, it's really largely what I consider to be traditional infrastructure spending with only a few smaller non-traditional aspects you know, thrown in there. Now, of note, this agreement does not include an increase in the corporate business tax, and that's really in order to keep enough Republicans on board at this point. So again, we do think this is the most likely route and could be passed this fall, in our view, maybe as soon as September. So then following the passage of that infrastructure bill, the Democrats will then look to address the remainder of their priorities and include that in the American Families Act. So we think a significant amount of the non-traditional infrastructure spending we had highlighted before that was originally included in the jobs plan would be included in that reconciliation and that we expect that reconciliation to be completed by year end. Part of that is because we don't think it'll roll over in the next year because then we start getting too close uh, to the midterm cycle. Now, there's a number of different other moving parts that I should probably address as well. So part of the original proposed spending was on revitalizing American manufacturing, especially in the technology sector. And a large amount of that spending I added in kind of what I expected as non-traditional infrastructure. That actually has been included in a new separate bill, the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act. And to be honest, I really don't think that that has received very much media attention, but it was recently passed on a bipartisan basis in the Senate. The House version has some differences that uh, need to be worked out with the Senate version, but we do expect that appropriation will pass. And really what the intent of that bill is, is to encourage bringing manufacturing back on shore, especially for technology components such as semiconductors. Okay, well, within all of this, one of the biggest sticking points that you mentioned is how to pay for this. And Morningstar has written that corporate business taxes are likely going up. Do the signs still point that way? You know, we think so. We do still expect that corporate business taxes will end up being increased. However, the increase, you know, does not look like it'll be included in that bipartisan agreement for infrastructure, but we do expect it would be included in the reconciliation as a way to pay for the spending in the American Families Plan. So at this point, it remains to be seen, you know, just how much that increase will be. And there are a number of other proposed tax changes in there as well. So depending on how all of those will end up being scored, you know, we'll see exactly what the final rate is. But we estimate it's most likely going to increase to be between you know, 26 to 28 percent. And again, you know, there are a number of other proposals that are out there, you know, specifically other efforts to collect taxes on you know, foreign derived profits from U.S. corporations. 
So what would be the impact of a higher corporate business tax? You know, in my view, I don't think the passing it would immediately, you know, cause the markets to gap down, but it really will be more of a headwind for further market valuation increases, you know, going forward. You know, based on our preliminary analysis, the increase in the corporate business tax, you know, should broadly reduce equity valuations somewhere in, you know, the mid single digit range, you know, depending on exactly you know, how they're fleshed out. However, the impact on any one individual specific company, of course, you know, would be based on that company's individual tax situation. So if you're a company and you're watching this unfold, what is the least bad situation and what's the best bad situation that can come out of this? Huh. Well, you know, that's a pretty hard to address because again, every company is going to have, you know, very different tax situations and it's going to be based, you know, significantly on what their existing tax structure looks like, where their revenues are derived, where their you know, earnings are derived, what the current tax rates are that they're paying on those. And again, it also depends too, there's other negotiations going on, you know, with the G7 and they're looking to, you know, address having a minimum, you know, global corporate tax rate as well. So at this point, you know, it's really going to be, you know, very difficult to talk about how it would impact, you know, any one individual company, you know, until we get more clarity. Well, you've written about, you know, the traditional projects, including transportation and construction. And for all you guys out there listening, we'll include those articles in the show notes. Dave, which companies can benefit from new spending in traditional infrastructure? You know, and as investors, there's really two parts to answering that question. So first, as you mentioned, is, you know, to identify, you know, which of those companies out there that we cover, you know, think might benefit from that higher government spending. But then the second part is then identify of those companies, you know, which of those companies' stocks, you know, might be undervalued that we could see, you know, additional upside or which of those, you know, do we think are at least, you know, fairly valued that might be good investments, you know, today. So again, you know, in those articles, you know, we've identified a number of companies that we think will benefit from the additional government spending. But for the most part, you know, the market has already incorporated that heightened spending and priced it into those companies' stock prices. So as such, you know, we do think that most are probably pretty fairly valued today. And in fact, we also note that several have risen, you know, too much and are in, you know, definitely an overvalued category. So, for example, on the overvalued side, you know, infrastructure projects, you know, require a significant amount of you know, heavy machinery and equipment. And so we'll expect to see, you know, increased demand in the short term for both, you know, Caterpillar and Deer products. However, we rate those two stocks both with two stars, meaning that we think that both companies' stocks are overvalued. So in this case, we think the market has probably overextrapolated this heightened demand you know, too far out into the future. Now, as far as you know, what other stocks are out there that we think are fairly valued or undervalued, going through some of the other sectors, you know, one sector investors often look to first for infrastructure spending is going to be in the basic material space, and more specifically, those companies that make things like concrete and aggregates. Now, again, we think that the market has already priced this in you know, for most of those companies, but one that I would point out that we do rate three stars, which means that we think that it's trading a near our fair value estimate would be U.S. concrete. In the industrial space, you know, a number of the companies that we think could see additional demand would include companies such as you know, 3M, Emerson, Honeywell, Hubble, you know, each of which we rate those three stars. 
Now, there's a lot of focus on the manufacturing side of infrastructure, but uh, one area that I particularly think is interesting that I think sometimes investors overlook is the services aspect. So again, infrastructure projects are large and multifaceted, and they require significant amount of engineering and consulting services. So two companies there that I would highlight for investors to take a look at would be Floor and Jacobs Engineering, both of which we currently rate three stars. So it seems like the opportunities for an investor are in the fairly value arena currently. For the traditional spending aspect, that's what we're seeing, yes. Let's shift to non-traditional infrastructure. A lot of the talking is bringing up climate change measures. There seems to be a push for electric vehicle expansion. What are the stocks to watch in this area? Sure. And, you know, regarding the uh, the EV infrastructure spending, uh, you know, I would just point out that there is a seven and a half billion that's already explicitly included in the bipartisan agreement. So we fully expect that that will be agreed to and, and passed by you know, both parties. But, you know, in the electric vehicle space itself, you know, irrespective of the government support to the transition to electric vehicles, you know, we think there's going to be a significant transition towards hybrids and battery electric vehicles anyways. And in fact, we've recently updated our projections and expect that by 2030, you know, two-thirds of global new vehicle sales will all be electrified. And thinking through that, what that means is that, you know, of that one half of those are going to probably be battery electric vehicles and the other half consisting of hybrids. Now, in the U.S., that percentage is even higher, as our forecast is that 80% of new vehicles sold in the U.S. by 2030 will either be you know, battery or hybrid. So looking at the electrical vehicle space, you know, among the global primary auto manufacturers, we think both Volkswagen and BMW probably the most undervalued and rate both of those with four stars. Domestically, you know, both Ford and GM are also rolling out new electric vehicles, and we rate those two companies three stars. Now, of course, you know, you can't talk about electric vehicles without also mentioning Tesla. You know, Tesla being viewed and considered by the market as the bellwether for battery electric vehicles. Now, we currently rate the stock there you know, with three stars. That does place it in the fairly valued category. However, I would note that it is trading you know, at definitely the, uh, the upper end where it would put it between two stars and three stars. You know, two stars is when we start thinking you know, some of those stocks start becoming overvalued. So we had recently increased our fair value to $550 per share. Uh, last I had checked, it looked like the stock was trading in the, uh, the low to mid 600s in the marketplace. Now, based on current market valuations, you know, away from the auto manufacturing themselves, we do think there's actually better value for investors in some of the secondary plays. So for example, you know, the batteries used in the electric vehicles all require large amounts of lithium. So among the lithium producers, we think SQM is the most undervalued, and we rate it four stars, meaning that we think that it's undervalued. And another producer that we cover is Livent with three stars. Some other areas I would recommend investors to take a look into are the auto parts manufacturers. So we rate Borg Warner with four stars, as we think its EV component lineup is uh, very well situated to be able to prosper from the transition from you know, internal combustion engines to electric vehicles. And then we also rate DuPont with four stars. Now, to me, this is an interesting play in that I think it's overlooked in that specialty chemical providers you know, actually end up picking up additional spending or additional you know, revenue per vehicle from the auto manufacturers. 
So EVs and hybrids, they generate over 50% more revenue for those specialty chemical providers than those provided by internal combustion engines. Now, of course, all these electric vehicles will need to be recharged, and we think that utilities such as American Electric Power and Edison International are well-positioned to benefit. So in addition to just producing the electricity in and of itself, Edison has one of the largest electric vehicle charging station networks in the United States, and we rate the stock with four stars. American Electric Power is one of the largest owners of electricity transmission in the U.S., and we rate that company's stock with three stars. It's definitely interesting watching how negotiations are playing out. Morningstar Research Services Chief U.S. Market Strategist, Dave Sakara. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Always happy to speak with you, Ivana. I'm Ivana Hampton, a Senior Engagement Editor at Morningstar. Want to hear more of Market X-Ray? Then email us at podcast at morningstar.com. Thanks for listening. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. Morningstar and its affiliates are not affiliated with this guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered tax advice. Please consult a tax and or financial professional for advice specific to your individual circumstances. Morningstar Research Services, LLC is a subsidiary of Morningstar, Inc. and is registered with and governed by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decision. 